asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. In recent weeks, we've really focused on some ways that listeners can boost their income. Uh, so whether that's through starting your own side business and growing your network like Hala talked about, or when we talked with local realtor Alan about diving into investing in real estate, well, what better way to test the waters? While you are away, your home could also earn extra income. That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides and seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. I'm Matt. And today we're answering your listener questions. That's right, Joel. This is a Listener Questions Monday. We've got five excellent questions from listeners, including a question about cryptocurrency tax moves that you can make. That's right. We're talking about the uh, wash sale rule. We've got a question from a listener who's asking what to do with his savings that he has within his Robinhood account. Uh, and then we've also got a, a, a full family feud going on. It's a <laughs> frugal or cheap, uh, and we're going to settle it once and for all. You're going to be Steve Harvey well, in this family feud. <laughs> it's going to be me. It's going to be me or you, man. We're going we're gonna <laughs> to let them know what we think uh, when it comes to their frugal or cheap conundrum. But uh, but first, man, I had a quick question for you. Bring it. So the kids lately have been asking me to turn on the Christmas tree. Normally, that's not a problem because it's at night. I'm all about uh, having the Christmas tree on at night. Uh, in fact, I have it set on a timer and it kicks on at around maybe five o'clock. You know, once it starts getting dark, goes until after we go to bed, like around 11. What's better than the Christmas tree vibes this time of year, by that's the way? So good. So good. What is it? The the Huga, you know, like <laughs> like it, it totally helps with that vibe. My wife like refuses for weeks after Christmas to take down the Christmas tree. She's like, no, we must out. keep it up. And then finally, I'm like, baby, I'm sorry. We got to. It's time. Instead, you can buy like 15, 16 candles. <laughs> Set those around the room. Yeah. It also gives off the vibes as well. Uh, but my problem here, like, I guess I've got my own for Google Sheep because the the girls in the morning, they've been wanting to turn the tree on and I have felt this resistance to <laughs> wanting to do that because 
the frugal bones run deep. It's in my DNA. And I think, oh, like, I'm not sure. Like, do we really need to have the tree on in the morning? But I got to say, it does look good because, of course, when we wake up in the morning, it's really dark outside and it certainly adds uh, a lot to the vibe of the house. But so basically, what do you think? Am I being frugal or cheap? Yeah, man, you're being the Grinch. Okay. Here. Uh, <laughs> you're being cheap. I, I know that I'm being cheap. Because, uh, well, well, first we have to get this question out of the way, and I'm sure I know the answer. You're using LED bulbs, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So when you're using. That pretty much answers the question for me. Right. LED bulbs are basically almost free. <laughs> like in how much they cost you in electricity every month. If someone is still using the old school incandescent bulbs, I'm not going to lie. They, they look good, on the, especially on the exterior of the home. I think like uh, lining your roof or something like that, they look amazing, like the old school vibe of those. But the cost is what, like 90% more? Nine, in general, the incandescents are 90% more expensive to run than LED bulbs. Which is um, why we encourage people to update their light bulbs in their house yep. to LED bulbs because they've gotten really good and they've gotten really cheap. But I do think that they're getting better because the... It's, yes, because like, LED bulbs I, of a decade ago, Oh not my the gosh, same. they are terrible. They are. It's, it's, what, it's something about how they pulse. And like when you're looking at them and you kind of scan across them with your eye, you can see them pulse when it's, I don't know what you call it, but that pulsing has gotten better or like it's more constant to yeah. where it looks like it's continually running as opposed to it flashing on and off like 500 times a second <laughs> or, or whatever it does, but it right. does it at such a rapid rate that you could literally feel it, what I would call vibrate. Right. Like, like you would look at these lights and you're like, oh, what, like, what is going on? It feels like it's vibrating in my brain. Well, well, let's let's put into perspective how much this is actually costing you because I, th- I think at 300 strands uh, uh, of, of lights on your Christmas tree, if you run it for six hours a day, over 30 days, how much do you think that cost you? No clue. <laughs> From what I read, and I and, and maybe this was inaccurate, but 52 cents over over a month. The, Leaving the it on 24 hours a day is no big deal. Oh my gosh. <laughs> if that's true, then... Well, you said a 300 strand? Yeah. Okay, well, I've got no idea. I think we have like a 3,000 strand. <laughs> okay, so $5.20 Even still, exactly, yeah. And for the pleasure well and the joy that it. provides you while you've got that Christmas tree up, which is yeah. for just like a, obviously <laughs> a, an extremely limited amount of time. It's like keep those lights on whenever you can, uh, especially w- whenever you're home. Even if it's the daytime, yeah. I, think, uh, I think keeping those lights on is half the fun and sure. so yep. yep i agree well and especially since like i've got these little bluetooth plugs that we've got the tree plugged into uh, my dad actually gave them to me for christmas like two or three years ago but they uh they're smart plugs and they connect via bluetooth to an app on your phone and so not only can you turn them on and off with your phone but you can set them on a timer you can put them on a schedule on your phone as well so i can easily throw them on from just the timer yeah, yeah. 6 30 to 10 30 in the morning well, now, or something like now that. i get to be the good guy and tell your daughters <laughs> that i say Christmas. It's like daddy's going to leave the, uh, <laughs> your daddy's going to leave the lights on 24 hours a day. Uh, so there will never be an instance where you don't have that nice vibe right. going on. Uncle Joel came through in the clutch. Well, I will say that when you crunch the numbers like that, it does help you, right? It helps you to see how little money that we're actually talking about here. And so that's this, this is why I like the budget, right? Because when you actually look at the data and you crunch the numbers, that can help you to decide, oh, this is not a discussion worth having. Uh, it's only worth having here on the show to help other people out there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and you know, to help me as, a little bit as well to, to not truly be cheap down on my heart as it shrinks. <laughs> uh, I want it to, to grow. How many times does the Grinch's heart grow? Uh, uh, five, four, four or five times? I forget. But, I don't know. Yeah, it's going to grow tremendously. So that's what I'm going for. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm proud of you for pushing through and keeping those lights on, especially in the morning for your daughters. But let's move on, Matt. Let's mention the beer we're having on this episode. This one is by... Academia, 
uh, brewing uh, brewing company out of Athens, Georgia, right yeah. around the corner. Listener Nathan sent this one our way, so we'll give our thoughts on this one at the end of the episode. Yeah, maybe I'll share a story too about how I used to actually work with Nathan. Uh, oh wow! We'll tell the full story maybe at the end of the episode. Okay, sweet. <laughs> I look forward to it. Uh, all right, but let's get on to it. Let's answer some listener questions. And for those of you out there who are like, I've got a money question. I need some help. Well, we'd love to take your question on an upcoming episode. Just go to How to Money dot com slash ask all you gotta do is record a voice memo say your name where you're from and what your question is and hopefully we'll take it on an upcoming episode this first one matt has to do with the holidays and keeping that spirit alive hi joel and matt this is eric mauer from west hartford connecticut we're big fans of your show and excited to send in our first how to money question we're struggling with balancing the religious importance of the jewish holiday of hanukkah with the gift-giving culture that has become attached to it Tonight, our four-year-old told us that his favorite part of the upcoming holiday is the presents. Gift-giving plays such a small part of what the holiday is about, and we're struggling to ensure that as our kids get older, they celebrate the true meaning of the holiday. This is all exacerbated by the eight nights of presents that some of our relatives share with the kids. It has become so over-the-top with gift-giving, despite the efforts we have made to communicate our wants with them. It is even further exemplified by our immediate family not having great means. We follow the how-to-money philosophy and live a minimalist life. We have real needs, and it hurts that our family's support comes in the form of a gluttony of tchotchkes that our kids don't need. So I'm reaching out to see if you have any tips or strategies to highlight the real importance of, of the holiday and to combat outside values of family members. Thanks so much. All right. Eric, thanks for that question. Uh, and Joel, you know, Hanukkah actually just ended last week, but we feel that this is a, a question that is important to address. And so we're going to get to it here while we're still in the midst of the holiday season in general, even though Hanukkah specifically is over. This makes me think we should maybe not take listener questions every two weeks, because if we took them every week, we could have taken it last week while <laughs> Hanukkah was still happening. While it was still going on. Yeah, yeah possibly. But uh, Eric, we wanted to first address the fact that you're not alone when it comes to the emphasis that you're kids are putting on uh, presents we don't want you to beat yourself up you know like when your young kids say that presents are their best part i believe it's just a natural instinct for little kids to be mesmerized not only by the lights but also the gifts as well and that doesn't necessarily mean that we should you know that we want to encourage that behavior but i just can't imagine there are many four-year-olds who wouldn't respond in that way. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's a lot more difficult to get excited about the recovery of Jerusalem <laughs> or the birth of Jesus or whatever it is that you're you know, truly celebrating when there's a shiny new toy to get playing with. So, uh, yeah, kicking yourself or being too hard on your kids, we feel, is not the best route. Yeah. Uh, Every four-year-old, their natural instinct is going to be to get that toy catalog and start circling everything, you know, (laughs) uh, on the lead up to the holidays. I know that's what my kids did. And so, but there there are still a lot of conversations to be had while that's happening, right? And although we celebrate Christmas in our house, Eric, we have a similar desire to connect our kids with the deeper meaning of the holiday and not just the commercialization of it. And I feel like that is just getting more and more difficult these days when everything else is kind of pushing us towards celebrating uh, presents and lights and festivity where we would like to preserve some of the deep-rooted faith-building stories that we try to keep at the front uh, literally every day of our kids' minds during this season. And so, yeah, we're specific about what we read the discussions that we're having at the dinner table, uh, at the breakfast table even. And then we're also intentional about our giving this time of year. And we include our kids in those giving traditions. One of those things includes buying gifts for other kids who are in need. And we want to make sure that they partake in that. So yeah, do we still talk about presents? Do we still listen to the classic Christmas tunes? 
yeah, we, we watched the Charlie Brown Christmas special, and my kids watched Home Alone for the first time this year. Oh, did they? It was super fun. How did they like it? <laughs> they loved it. Did they? <laughs> Just like slapstick people getting beat up. It's yeah. awesome. <laughs> it wasn't too scary with for, yeah, for them as no. there's a home invasion. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> they handled it well. Uh, but yeah, basically- I'm glad they called it Home Alone instead of like Home Invasion 1. <laughs> home Invasion 2. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what's wrong with these people? Kid getting scared. Yeah. Uh, but basically, Eric, you know, we, we place a strong focus on our own traditions and how those connect to our family beliefs. And- it's hard when all these outside influences, uh, even people in your own family, are kind of opting to take a different route. But you still have the majority influence over your four-year-old by far. And so, yeah, there's a there's a whole lot that you can do to influence how your four-year-old grows up and, and perceives that holiday moving forward. Totally. And I mean, I think it's important too. I mean, one of the things I'll say that we do when it comes to observing Advent is we are doing the best we can to make it fun. Because yeah, like it's not something that kids are going to naturally, I think, be drawn to. It just takes time where you're kind of teaching them the different lessons. Uh, but for us, we've, you know, I think similar to you, Joel, like we keep up with this Advent book essentially that we're reading every single day. And in years past, we've created uh, some different ornaments that we've painted images on that reflect kind of the lesson from that day. Uh, and they're in these little bags that we kind of hang up on the shelf. And so every day there's like the, you know, it's sort of like an advent calendar. There's an unveiling yeah. of that day. Uh, and so it's just a way to engage the kids. It, it makes it something that they're looking forward to. Uh, and it's like the present is the lesson because that's that that's what's kind of you know painted on the little ornament there and so it's fun because it is about the actual lesson it's about faith uh, but it's also kind of like a present because it is something that it gets a kind of unwrap and I will say this is something that <laughs> we do as well uh, which is that we use our actually we use our Halloween candy from a couple months ago uh, and we put some very small amounts of candy in those little bags as well uh, it's still a form of consumption but we're trying to center it around them being excited about this lesson and so Eric whatever ways that you can figure out to try to make it a little bit more fun that is something that we'd recommend that you keep in mind yeah and and I guess then Eric's question comes down to how does he help his family members do the same that's tougher. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He can do these things, yeah. but what about the uh, yeah the forces outside of his control? It's easier to control what goes on within the walls of your home than it is to control other people who don't live there. And so we would say first recognize that your loved ones are not trying to attack you and they don't want to secretly upend your Hanukkah. Like they don't want to ruin it and turn it into some commercialized version when that's not what you want. And just that perspective shift, I think, can help you reframe how you view those gift giving attempts. So instead of taking it as an attack, it's like, no, they're they're doing kind of what they perceive to be best, even though that's not what we're trying to accomplish. And then second, I would say be proactive. It sounds like you've already done that. But instead of like just getting angry after getting that gift, be helpful on the front end with suggestions like experiences or memberships. Maybe those are better gifts, right? They are in all likelihood better gifts for those of us who- uh, a cheap you know, throwaway piece of plastic. Yeah. yeah and absolutely. those of us who want to live a little more- minimalist. Uh, sure. I do not call myself a minimalist. Matt, you are more minimalist than I, but yeah. uh, we it's still a, it's want... It's a spectrum, you know, like... Right. We are on the spectrum <laughs> in this way. But, but I still want to prevent just like a ton of needless yeah. toys in our house. Same right? here. And I mean, and this gets even more nerdy, but like even asking if they could maybe contribute to a 529 plan sure. would be... Uh, I mean, Eric, you mentioned how like there are needs that you'll have and that could be something that you could present in a you know very diplomatic way, maybe in the middle of next year, as opposed to right before they're about to unload all these gifts or I guess in your case they've already done it so yeah well and I think one other Matt really good way to approach 
it is you can talk about how overwhelming it is for your four-year-old to receive so many gifts alongside that limited storage space. So uh, there are even statistics that you could bring bring to this discussion, like stats show that kids play less the more gifts they receive. We'll toss that study in our show notes so you can use that as an aid. It's been proven that fewer toys lead to more imagination, that, that that the kids who have tons of toys, they end up not using their imagination as much. And so take that positive approach instead of scolding say thank you and you know because i think your family is just trying to communicate love even if it's not the way that you necessarily want to receive it and then in the future use use some of those things to kind of help hint at the fact that like hey guess what this is this is better for our child and but for our family can you kind of help us out in that way yeah, it's a little bit tougher to temper what it is that your extended family is choosing to do tougher, um, tougher temper <laughs> <laughs> but Eric, you know, you can make sure though, like one thing that you can do within the walls of your own home though, you can make sure that you're not uh, unintentionally allowing that consumption mindset to take root you know, with your kids. Uh, and that often starts with the media that your kids are exposed to. Like I know, for, you know, TV commercials were huge for toys back when I was a kid. And luckily that's not something we have to worry about as much with streaming shows. Because uh, like think back to all the different commercials we saw like that's how you learned about new toys yeah because you see the kids on tv playing with them and that's when i learned that i needed to have hungry hungry hippo <laughs> <laughs> i want to say the average kid in our day saw probably a hundred ads oh my gosh every day it was an insane number it was of overwhelming advertisements luckily like the, like i said though that's not something that we deal with today just with how we stream tv shows for kids and things like that but we do need to be careful with YouTube. There is an entire unboxing genre of YouTube videos where kids are on there. They're opening new toys, they're playing with them, and essentially they're like brainwashing your kids <laughs> at the same time. Uh, some of those videos have hundreds of millions of views and they star kids just playing with brightly colored toys. Uh, and so we need to make sure that we're taking steps to remove or, or you know, like at the, at the very least monitor the temptations that are presented to our kids. On one hand, we say that we believe X, but we need to make sure that we're taking uh, the proper steps that we're performing our due diligence to limit the number of outside influences on our kids in this way. Yeah, it's, it's not easy. I think it's harder than ever with how many outside influences are pestering our kids and our families uh, with that message of consumerism. And so you're going to face it, right? And your kid is going to instinctually say presents are the best part, but there's a lot you can do to connect what's happening during this time to a deeper meaning uh, when it comes to the deeper meaning of your faith. And over the years, that matters. Like those intentional steps matter a whole lot. And so even though it's difficult, it's worth doing. And Eric, it sounds like you are thinking about it properly. So best of luck to you as you continue to approach holidays and and Hanukkah in particular for your family in the future. All right, Matt, we got a couple more questions to get to, including one about Snagging free coffee. Is it frugal or cheap? We'll get to that and more right after this break. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. 
That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. And now a word from the show sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment is the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal, rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line, and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money is breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Spring cleaning is kind of an annual rite of passage. We've all got to do it. Minimize the junk that we have in our house. Emily and I, we just cleaned our closets out. It took hours, but it was so worth it. Now we've only got stuff in there that we love, and it's easier to find everything too. And so, you know, while cleaning your closets is helpful, well, there's something else you can do for your family this spring. Shopping for life insurance with Policy Genius, for example, is a really important part of your financial planning for the year. That's right. Yeah. And here is the thing that's important to remember because you might be thinking you don't need to check out Policy Genius because you've got a policy through work. But even if you have a life insurance policy through your job, it may not offer you enough protection for your family's needs and it may not follow you if you leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius works for you, not the insurance companies, and that means they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another, so you can trust their guidance. Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week yeah, at the we beach do. every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simon's on the calendar. Pumped for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host, or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Okay, we are back from the break. And Joel, let's get to this question now from a listener who wants some clarity on what to do with some money in his Robinhood account. Hey, Matt and Joel. My name is Levi. I'm in Denver, Colorado, and I have a question for you. I opened up a Robinhood account before I really understood personal finance, and now I have the majority of my savings invested there. I don't have an emergency fund built, and I'm just starting to save towards my 401k. My question is, what should I do with that money? Pull it out and make an emergency fund? Max out a Roth IRA? Or leave it in there and start the money gears from scratch? I don't have any outstanding debts or loans to worry about. Any advice is appreciated. Thanks. Levi, first off, gotta say, we are so glad that you got the ball rolling 
when it comes to saving and investing. Yep. But there, there are a lot of things that we need to cover in response to your question. Uh, because while putting some money away in a Robinhood account to start investing is fine, it's not a big deal. It mm. is a big deal, in our opinion, if you're skipping other important steps along the way. And that's where you are right now. So the good news, though, is it doesn't sound like it'll be too difficult for you to put together a starter emergency fund. And yeah, some other great news is that you don't have any outstanding debt. So that means yeah, that you, awesome. you you haven't gotten the money gears out of order too badly. You're massively headed in the right direction, but mm-hmm. there are some important tweaks we think that, yeah, you need to make. Totally. Yeah. This is not a knot that you cannot untie. Is that <laughs> enough knots for you? That's there? a tongue twister. <laughs> uh, that's right. So Levi, you know, one of the most important things to consider though, like, you know, before you make a move to sell anything is your timeline. Because uh, you mentioned not having any emergency fund savings, uh, which is not good because we think that everyone should have some liquid cash in a savings account. And how much just depends on a number of factors. Uh, but the question is, how quickly could you build that emergency fund up? Uh, because if it would only take you a few months to get a robust emergency fund built up, uh, then you might be able to avoid selling your Robin Hood investments. But if it's going to take you, say, a couple of years, well, that is going to be too long and you're putting yourself and your finances in harm's way were you to hold out. Yeah. How big is your monthly margin, I guess, is an important question here, because if it's if it's large, if you've got a big spread between what you're bringing in and what goes out, then you can kind of stop contributing to that Robin Hood account and fund that savings account really quickly. Totally. But And, and there's just a, a few other specifics that you didn't mention, so we'll kind of do our best here, but you said that all your savings is in a Robinhood account. So we're not sure if it's just sitting there or if it's invested. It sounds like it's invested uh, from what we could tell. And if it is invested, is it in an index fund? Or did you buy some individual stocks and some cryptocurrencies? That is an important uh, answer we would want to know too. The answers to those questions are crucial because the riskier your investments are, the more likely we are to tell you to sell and to reallocate. Again, it's okay to dabble a little bit if you're interested in those higher risk investments. Like if you've been investing for 10 years and you've saved up a decent, you've got a decent net worth going on, it's okay to put a small portion of what you have in cryptocurrency. But you need to make sure that you get the basics met first. And some of that, those initial money gears really take care of that. It's, it's just, it's not wise. It's not smart to, before you have the e-fund, before you have uh, started putting anything away in tax-advantaged retirement accounts, in index funds, it just, it's not a good idea to be investing in some of those riskier ways. That's right. Yeah, which is why we want to see you contributing to your 401k. And specifically, if your employer offers a match, then you need to contribute enough to get that free money. Uh, But then beyond that, we would love to see you working towards maxing out both your 401k and your Roth IRA. Those are both going to be tax-sheltered investment vehicles and are going to be a much better place for your investments over the years as they continue to grow. And here's the thing. I know that that's going to be a ton of money that we're talking about here. This, that's a total of over 25 grand. That is a lot. But if you can't max out those tax sheltered accounts, then selling your Robinhood holdings is going to likely be the right move for you. Yeah. Basically, if if like, like going back to that margin, if your margin is huge and it's like, I can save up that emergency fund in no time and I can max out my Roth too and contribute a healthy amount to my 401k, then you can probably just keep that Robinhood account intact. But again, if that timeline is really long, it's it's like it's going to take me years to get to that point. Yeah. Then you're going to want to pull that money out of the Robinhood account, even though that's going to mean a tax bill. Yeah. Well, and specifically, you know, with us talking about your 401k, 
what's important to point out here is that that is a window of time that is quickly closing. And so you have until December 31st to contribute to max out that $19,500 towards your 401k. And that is money that you will no longer ever be able to contribute towards your 2021 401k, as opposed to money that you have invested within a brokerage account. That is money that you can, at some point in the future, contribute more to take money out of. But with that 401k, once that, you know, again, once that window of time, once that period closes, you're never going to be able to go back in time and make that contribution. Same with the Roth IRA. Granted, you have a longer timeline, right? You can can, get another another few months. Yes, exactly. But the thing is, once that timeline has passed, you can't put six grand into your Roth for that year anymore. And so uh, let's say the next year you're like, I've got 10 grand I want to put in a Roth. Sorry, yep. you can only put in Too six. Bad. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that is one of the things about the timeliness of these accounts yes. and getting that money tax sheltered when you can. And we'll admit too, I mentioned taxes, that it can be emotionally tough to sell those holdings, mainly because of the taxes that you might owe. Because if you've made money by investing in Robinhood over the last year or more, great. It, paying taxes... It's not my idea of a good time, Matt. I'm not like, hey, what do I want to do on the weekend? Hang out with my family and pay some taxes. But it's worth it to pay tax on those gains in order to begin funneling your money in the right direction. It's not worth skipping out on the larger tax advantages of those tax-sheltered accounts that we mentioned, like your 401k, like a Roth IRA, just in order to avoid that small tax bill today. Make sure, of course, that you're setting enough aside to pay that tax bill. But Levi, we're glad you've started investing. Now it's time to do it in the most tax-efficient way, putting money right. in those tax-advantaged accounts where they belong. They're first in line. The Robinhood account is a great place for money once you've allocated most of your investment dollars towards towards those accounts that we're talking about. Yeah, that's right. So Levi, again, you know, in the end, this isn't a ton of money, but if you want to do things technically correct, which is what we would do, this is what we would recommend. All right, Joel, it is now time to hear that family-wide debate as to whether or not uh, a family member is being frugal or cheap. Let's hear it. Hi, Matt and Joel. I'm Danny from San Antonio, and I'm the mom. My name is Steve. I'm the dad. And I'm Lily. I'm the daughter. So I live in an apartment right now, and uh, my building is right next to the leasing office. And my leasing office has a coffee bar, and uh, they offer free coffee to all residents. So every morning I've been walking down to the coffee bar to get my cup of coffee instead of buying a coffee maker. And I just use my own creamer at home since I can't have dairy, so I have my own dairy-free creamer in my fridge. I think I'm being frugal because uh, I'm getting free coffee every day and I don't have to go buy a coffee maker. I also think she's being frugal because she's a college student and she's got to pay some of her tuition out of pocket, so anywhere she can save money is a good thing. I think she's being cheap. Um, so she she does buy coffee, uh, Starbucks and other local places around town. I think she's being cheap because she could make coffee on a coffee pot. It's, coffee pots aren't that expensive. So anyway, Matt and Joel, that's our question. Is my daughter being uh, frugal or cheap? And we wanted to present it to you for the final determination. Thank you. And we love your show. Matt, a family, frugal or cheap? Love it. It's great. <laughs> I love that so got good. all three of them on the phone for this question. I mean, yeah, literally the fact that they had uh, Lily on the phone on speaker while their you know, mom and dad are sitting there uh, on the recording. This is so good. All right. Now it's time to go home for the holidays, Lily. But let, <laughs> let, let's settle this family dispute, Matt. And I would say you should kick this off because really, everyone has said this over time. You're the Judge Judy of personal finance podcasters. So 
I literally have never watched a single episode of Judge Judy. What have, have you, been, you? What have you been doing with your life? Of <laughs> what, course what I, I have. What have I been doing with my all of my daytime hours? <laughs> yes. Daytime TV hours? Uh, not watching Judge Judy. Okay, I'll say that. You're missing out because <laughs> she is a fine specimen of a person. She, like, it's a classic show. I'll yeah. say that. And, well, and it's not that I've spent a ton of time. I got, I'm more prices right than Judge Judy. But yeah, if everyone watches pretty dang good daytime TV. But you gotta, like, you have to have seen one episode. Do you feel like life. Judge Judy is more of like my spirit, uh, spirit show, whereas like Price is Right is more like yours? Probably. <laughs> I think so. I feel like maybe you would have been kind of like a Jerry Springer type of guy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that low. All right. Well, all right, Lily. The way I see it, you're taking advantage of a free perk that your apartment complex is offering. Like, I, I believe it's almost like baked into the price of the, you know, that you pay for rent. Uh, whereas like, say you lived around the corner, uh, maybe in a different apartment complex, yet you continued to come back for free coffee. Hop in <laughs> <hopping> the fence. <laughs> yeah. Even though you no longer lived in that apartment, that would be a different story. But, but even then, you know, like it just depends on so many factors, right? Like, so for instance, if the manager in the leasing office was really cool, they might be more than fine if folks came in for coffee from other apartments because, like, you know what? Eventually, their leases are going to come up for renewal, and maybe they're tired of commuting over to Lily's apartment for free coffee, and uh, they might think to themselves, why don't I just live here myself? This place is awesome. Everyone's hanging out in the uh, the apartment lobby. Everyone's getting coffee, socializing. That just sounds like the kind of place I want to live. And so you know, I feel like this could become like this amazing marketing tactic because everybody actually wants to live there. Uh, but that's kind of beside the point. <laughs> uh, in the end, Lily, I believe that you are being 100% frugal. I will say, I think if she invited her friends over for free coffee who didn't live in that apartment complex, that might be cheap. No way! It, it's I think it's totally cheap. Unless, like you said, like if, if, if the apartment manager was cool with it, but... I think oh, oh it's, yeah, like it's if they're probably at, particularly for the residents, and, that, and that's yeah, that's that she actually said that that this is a free thing that's offered to the residents, yep. and specifically if you invited some friends over and they're kind of like looking at them weird and said, "Hey, what uh, what unit do y'all live in?" and they said, "Oh, we don't we don't live here." If they were politely asked to never come back again, that's a different story. Because then it's like, all right, well, if that's the case, you're just being cheap. I probably wouldn't try it in the first place. But well, but if they were like, you know what, we're you know, Lily, she lives here, and we're just kind of we're, we're visiting, kind of get ready to do some studying, that kind of thing. If I was on staff or if I was the manager there, I'd be like, all right, that's cool. Because what does coffee cost? You know, it kind of goes back to the frugal or cheap with like the Christmas lights. It probably costs them nothing to serve up a couple extra cups of coffee. It's cheap marketing. Yeah. As opposed to fostering goodwill uh, and eliminating vacancies. I mean, the ability to have uh, an apartment complex packed out with people who are excited to live there as a landlord, as a business owner, that gets me really excited. That's that's the kind of environment that I would want to foster. Yeah. No, And I'm with yeah. you. And if they're down with it, then that's cool. But I probably would maybe want to ask first. But I will say, when it comes to what Lily is doing, I, I agree with you. I think it's frugal because I think taking advantage of a free perk that is offered to you yeah. is what I consider frugal. And it, I think it, it would be completely different if they asked even her to stop coming for coffee. If they're sure. like, this is for uh, like new residents. You've been down or, here every day of the yeah. week. Or, or this is for folks who are looking at apartments. Exactly. That would be different compared to this daily perk that they're offering. Exactly. Yeah. And I think for, for Lily, it sounds like, no, this is just something that's offered to all residents of this complex. And so take the free coffee, take advantage of it. And I think it's important to mention too, that, that one person's frugal can be another person's cheap. Like we don't all come down on the same side of this, Matt. You and I don't even agree on every scenario of frugal or cheap. Yeah. There, are, there are things that you and I disagree on from time to time. And, and there are things that I did to save money back in the day that I don't do any longer that like even for like past Joel, it was frugal. And for current Joel, it's cheap, right? It's the life stages, man. Exactly. So I still pick up stuff on the side of the road that's free. Yep. And I still get looks from some of my friends who are like, 
what are you doing? Like the who, shoe does that. The shoes I'm wearing right now, I picked up off of the side of the road. See, a fairly uh, you know unused pair of Nikes that were in really good shape. There you go. That but happened to be my size. Then I'm sure there are some things that you wouldn't pick up off the side of the road, and there are certain things you don't do anymore. Totally. I don't couch surf anymore. It was fun yeah. while it lasted. Yep. Right. Not now something I, you want to do with uh, with your family. <laughs> yeah. But now I or, or I don't donate plasma anymore. But it was cool while it lasted, sure. and I get you know we learned this early on in the podcast. There are some listeners at different stages, and they're like super jazzed to donate their plasma because it, it so one listener pays for their vacations that way yep. and Trip down to disney exactly and so i'm not going to hate on somebody's uh frugal move although there are some i think hard lines that would make something cheap this is not one of them yeah dude so, don't, don't yuck on someone else's yum <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I, I think i think i'm going to side in the frugal camp too on this one Nice. Well, you know, by the way, one of the key determiners between frugal and cheap is whether you're taking advantage or if you're hurting someone else. Because, uh, you know, like if you're being stingy with a tip, like we feel that that's being cheap. And in that case, eating at home is going to be a better option uh, if you're taking that route. But snagging that free coffee is hurting no one. And again, especially the way that Lily described it, you know, she said that they offer free coffee to all residents. Essentially, this is like, I see this almost as like free continental breakfast at a hotel. <laughs> like you kind of wake up, you come down in the morning, get your coffee, talk to some friends. Although here's another interesting conundrum. I was at a hotel recently with a free continental breakfast and I did see one lady shove like two apples and three bananas in her purse and I'm like that's <laughs> probably cheap there that feels a little cheap especially because if, if you want to take like one I wanted another banana and I didn't uh, have one then. oh really yeah oh were you is it because you're gonna stuff two in your bag <laughs> oh no, I was gonna eat it <laughs> sure <laughs> uh if she had a family of six up in the hotel room that's that true. she was bringing stuff up to I don't want to judge that's a different story because yep. you don't you don't know what she's doing so sorry Steve we feel that uh Lily is not being cheap here uh even though uh, you know a coffee maker coffee they're relatively affordable items if you get the stuff for free at your apartment complex and it doesn't you know taste like complete garbage then uh taking the free route is the way to go um i think that is something else to keep in mind too because if it does taste like garbage if this is terrible coffee and lily if you're complaining about it well then you're being cheap because <laughs> it's like well if you want better coffee then just get you a little aeropress it makes those little single serve cups you can make really good coffee in your apartment with a purchase like that but that's definitely something else to keep in mind and you know as i picture this awesome group of frugal minded folks hanging out in this at, at the uh, leasing office of this apartment complex it makes me think of just the other benefits too that lily might uh, experience which is finding other like-minded frugal friends yeah. <laughs> i mean you've got these different folks who are kind of congregating drinking the free stuff I, I see that as like this social benefit that comes along with uh, not only saving money but but also finding like-minded folks who you might become lifelong friends with yeah it's like oh you too like the free coffee <laughs> we can bond over this <laughs> then, you, then you come down and high five get your free coffee talk about your plans for the rest of the day you and i know when we go to these you know financial media conferences it's so easy to bond with people because we have that in common and i think that's true like if you have this deep mm -hmm. run vein of frugality inside of you it's like oh great we can we can talk about a lot of stuff but i'm glad we were able to tackle that one i hope lily's yeah. dad doesn't feel too bad <laughs> thanks for sending that question in too that was super fun even though she was on speakerphone i felt like she was right here with us <laughs> <laughs> all right let's get to a couple more questions including that one about cryptocurrency and taxes we'll get to that and more right after this break All right, we're back from the break. Let's hear that question about cryptocurrency wash sales. Hello, gentlemen. This is Riker from Wyoming. I have a question regarding tax loss harvesting, more specifically tax loss harvesting in regards to cryptocurrency. I have an unreasonable amount of money in cryptocurrency at this time, and I heard that they were going to start a penalty for wash sale in 2022 like they do for other stocks. But currently in 2021, 
they do not have the penalty for a wash sale. So I was hoping to initiate a strategy, let's say if any specific cryptocurrency drops by, let's say, 50% in the course of a day, which, as you know, is not completely unreasonable, to sell and then immediately rebuy and capture that loss. Does that appear to be a reasonable strategy? And if I do this, how long am I allowed to carry those losses forward in time? I understand that none of this is financial advice, and you would recommend that I would not be doing any of this from the get-go. Thank you. All right, Riker, thanks for your question. And he's right about the, the crypto wash sale rules, Matt. Mm-hmm. They appear likely to change in 2022, but for the next two and a half weeks, you might have an opportunity to avoid some future taxes if you take advantage of the rules as they currently stand. That is also assuming, though, that there is a substantial drop in value in your cryptocurrency assets. But uh, the way it works is that wash sales, they basically prevent investors from claiming a deduction when they sell an asset at a loss if they buy what's known as a substantially identical asset within 30 days before or after that sale. And so basically what this rule is set up to do is it, it prevents people from taking what's known as paper losses, resulting in this helpful tax break and then rebuying the same stock or asset immediately. So it's it's like saying you bought something and immediately that stock took a dip, you sell, and it looks great for your taxes because you took a loss, but then you rebuy that same stock. Well, then you can't actually take that tax benefit. That's, That's what the right. wash sale rule is trying to prohibit you from doing. That's right. Yeah, but this isn't a rule that has been in place for cryptocurrency assets. Uh, And so that's about to change in all likelihood, although it is not a done deal yet. And so for at least the rest of this year, maybe even longer, uh, depending on the speed of Congress, you can sell a cryptocurrency that tanks and then immediately rebuy it for the tax benefit. And so essentially your portfolio stays exactly the same, but you've captured that tax loss. And so Riker, for you or, or anyone else out there who might own some crypto, if there is a crash, uh, we would recommend that you take advantage of it. Sell those crypto assets at a loss, immediately buy them back in order to capture that loss. Yeah. And, and let's just, one thing that Riker said, he was like, guys, I know you're not a fan of this. <laughs> when, he, when he submitted the question, I want to say, and I think I think we mentioned this just a little bit ago too in the in, in the episode. We're not against some crypto in yeah. your investment portfolio. You and I, we own cryptocurrencies. A- exactly. But it sounds like you might be a little too all in when yes. it comes to the amount of exposure that you've got in the space. And you didn't share too many of your details, so we don't know for sure. But if you've seen the percentage of crypto in your portfolio swell over the past year, which yeah, if you've been a crypto investor for over a year, you've definitely seen yeah. some increase in value. <laughs> or, or even just one year. Like yes. since the beginning of this year, you have seen your portfolio go uh, increase in size. We'll exactly. Say that. And so it's time to do some year-end rebalancing of that portfolio so that you can sleep better at night so that you're not completely overexposed in that space. Yeah, you might want to consider diversifying just a bit more specifically into uh, the overall stock market, into like a total stock market index fund. But yeah, Matt and I, we try to keep our dabbling to around 5% or less of our portfolio when it comes to things like cryptocurrency. All of that stuff, we try to fit it into 5% of our portfolio. We keep 95% of it super boring, super basic in those index funds. And then Riker, you also mentioned too how long that you can carry those losses forward. 
the IRS allows you to take up to $3,000 in losses every year. Uh, and if you have more than that, if you had a pretty big loss, you can then carry those losses even further into the future. Uh, there is no limit to the number of years that you can d deduct those crypto losses. So let's say, for example, that you experience $7,000 in losses this year. Now, that means that you can deduct $3,000 from your income this year, $3,000 next year, and that final $1,000 you can deduct that last year. So you're able to put all $7,000 of that loss to use. And, you know, it's worth pointing out this this isn't a game that anyone <laughs> wants to be winning. If you're winning the, uh, a tax loss game, you're losing the investing it's game. It's like, hey, congrats, you are the top tax loss harvester. That is not the leaderboard that you want to be on. I know, when people get so upset about paying capital gains taxes, I... I find it so odd because I'm like, you've just you've just crushed it when it comes to your investments if you're paying that means that you are winning a substantial amount of tax. Yeah. Like think about it like that. But if you do have some losses, at least there is some upside to you having some of your cryptocurrencies uh, depreciate instead of appreciate, which I'm guessing the majority of your portfolio has done. Yeah, so know that you're on likely a limited timeline here to be able to capitalize on any sort of crypto crash that might happen at the end of the year. But Riker, best of luck saving on taxes in that regard. All right, Matt, let's get to one last question. This one comes from a listener in Virginia who has overcome some extreme personal battles in order to do really well with his money. Hey, guys. First of all, I wanted to thank you for all that you do. You do it with uh, thought and a lot of passion. So thanks for that. I'm going to go by G from Virginia, um, 41, had a 20-year opiate addiction with the last four years having about a $400 a day habit, so uh, retirement wasn't really on my mind. Got clean two years ago, though. I'm in outside sales, 100% commission. I made about $240,000 this past year. I have no credit card debt, about $3,000 left on a car. I have $150,000 in my 401k, $15,000 in some stocks on Ameritrade. $5,000 in Bitcoin, and I just started with a traditional IRA that I will have maxed out this year. I have an emergency fund with another $100,000 earmarked for either side business or real estate. I haven't really decided. I have about nine dollars to $12,000 expendable income monthly. So my question is, knowing I'm behind on retirement, my goal is to put away $36,000 a year to reach those goals. My idea is to max out my 401k pre-tax up to the match, which would be 6%. Max out my traditional IRA, and this takes me to about $24,000, per year, depending on different variables. So I have two questions. Would you do anything different from what I've said? And what do I do with the other $12,000 uh, I'm trying to save? Uh, I-bonds, put more into my 401k, uh, maybe put into an index fund, Ameritrade. I'm leaning towards I-bonds, but need to decide so I can go ahead and max that out for 2021. Again, thanks for all that you do, and I look forward to uh, hearing from you. Hey there, G. We appreciate you sharing some of your story. I can't imagine, honestly, how difficult it is to get clean from such a treacherous addiction like opioids. But congrats to you for staying clean and for how quickly that you've been able to make progress. Uh, you asked two questions here. One was if we would do anything differently. Secondly, what we would do with that remaining $12,000. And I'll go ahead and answer the first part of your question, which is no. The moves that you are making right now with your money uh, are great. And so we want to start off on a positive note. You are crushing it. Yes. Yes, he is. Right. To, to be able to invest that much and max out those accounts is is spectacular. Like that's something that that most people want to do, but they find it impossible to do. Yeah. They, they can't quite squirrel away that much money. But where does G go from here? Well, we would say since you've got thirty six thousand dollars to invest every year, well, definitely we suggest maxing out both the four hundred one k and the IRA. 
This year, that's going to take up $25,500 of that money. And then next year, it's going to be twenty six five because of that 401k limit increase that was announced not too long ago by the IRS. Then the easy button is to stick the rest of that money in a taxable brokerage account with Fidelity, Vanguard, or M1 and put it in a total stock market index fund. And if you want to keep it simple, we'd say go in that direction. There are other options. That's like the easy button, though. That's right. But it is worth mentioning that, gee, even though you feel like that you're behind, you mentioned this a couple of times in your question, uh, that you feel like that you're behind or that you know that you're behind uh, when it comes to your retirement savings uh, and your investing. But like you said that you've got a solid $150,000 in your 401k. That is great. Uh, according to Fidelity, the average 40-something-year-old, uh, the average balance uh, of a 401k is just $93,000. Now, your goal is likely to be better than the average investor, which we totally get, but it is worth highlighting how well that you are doing compared to the average investor. And something else you mentioned too, I-bonds. At the rate that those are currently paying, that's not a bad idea for $10,000 of your money. But the thing is, is that those rates aren't guaranteed to stay put. Uh, that depends on where inflation is going to go from here. That depends on a number of things that uh, that happen in our economy. And so I'd prioritize investing your remaining $12,000 over I-bonds in your case. Uh, if this is money that you're planning to not touch for a number of years, if this is money that's definitely going to be going towards your retirement, uh, this is money that we would recommend that you invest as opposed to putting it in I-bonds. I agree. But I got to say that I also love that G mentioned the savings that he's got on hand to pursue other goals that he wants to achieve yeah. like besides retirement, like real estate investing or to start a business. Yeah, he said he's got like $100,000 earmarked basically exactly. for like a side project. Which is impressive. And so that yeah, is awesome. I would say depending on his timeline, he might be well served to put some of that money in I-bonds. Yes. Not the yeah. extra twelve grand. Maybe that should be, uh, go towards investments. But remember that the money you put in uh, into I-bonds, G, is locked up for a year. And you surrender three months worth of interest if you cash out those I-bonds before five years are up. And so that part, it's not a big deal because there's such a massive disparity between what they're paying and what you're earning in savings right now. Like I-bonds are earning over 7% and savings accounts are earning half a percent at most. Mm -hmm. And so we would say it's a good place if you can keep that money there for a year. So yeah, if you feel like it's going to be more than a year, I-bonds are a great place to put some of that money that you currently have in savings. You can put $10,000 in before the end of this year and then another $10,000 in at the beginning of 2022. And that's a good place to stash at least a little bit of that money that you're getting ready to deploy for a potential real estate purchase or to kind of fund the beginning of that business. That's right. But do keep in mind that that is money that is locked up. Uh, you do not have an option of getting that money back uh, if you're looking at 12 months or less. And again, gee, I want to end on a really encouraging note, though, because again, you, you've got a great income. You're investing so much of your money, and that means that you're going to make up ground really quickly. Uh, you may have had some setbacks, but it is evident that you are clearly back on track. Great job, and we wish you the absolute best. And we wish you a Merry Christmas. Matt, take us away in song, please. Um, I'm not going to do it. Dang Plus, it. we're two weeks out now still almost. Yeah. I don't know. You can still get festive and sing. Come what on. day is it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, well, G is crushing it. Seriously, best of luck to you. Keep doing what you're doing. And Matt, let's get back to the beer that we had on this episode. This one was called IQ, and it's by Academia Brewing out of your 
college town of oh, Athens, Georgia, sent to us right. by listener Nathan. Also, your friend who you worked with. I got to hear that story. Okay, so the story goes is that he w- started listening to our show, and I don't know how many episodes it was before he said he realized that the Matt was me, who he <laughs> knew not only from college, but yeah, we, we worked together. At He's a- like, oh, it was that scrub that I worked with back in the day? <laughs> Honestly, I don't know what actually clued him into the fact that it's like, oh, this is a dude I know. But we, we had, we'd actually worked at a boys outdoor camp up in North Carolina and we had both worked in the mountain biking department uh, and so I wanted to mention that because we love biking here on the show he recently shared that that is something that he still does but I love how we're able to reconnect over all these years over uh, similar interests uh, personal finance now being one of those but but yeah Nathan we really appreciate you sending this beer our way academia and of course it's named that academia I guess because it's there at Georgia at UGA it's supposed to be a, a college town bunch of smarty pants there <laughs> Not, not that not, not that smart. Not I mean, really. Let's I be went honest. to school there. <laughs> <laughs> it also has a major reputation for being a party school. But like a you know like a good time party school, not okay. like a <laughs> like a ruin your life party school. Right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this is called IQ. This was an IPA. What were your thoughts on this classic India pale ale? There we go. Yeah, I, I was gonna say actually from the classic city. That's what they call Athens. Oh it, yeah, it is a classic IPA. It's not insanely bitter like a West Coast IPA. It's not massively juicy like a New England IPA. It really kind of runs that center gamut of being just like a solid IPA that is a little bit of sweet, but combined with some of those bitter notes from hops that I still enjoy, the classic It's got that malty backbone, while at the same time, it's got that hop presence. Yeah. So I would say this this is a solid local-ish beer than local-ish because it's an hour and a half away. (laughs) But but still, it's, it's good to get this one. And yeah, big thanks to Nathan for sending it over. Yeah, if, if this isn't a West Coast IPA, nor is it a New England East Coast style hazy IPA, you might call this like a Heartland IPA. Maybe they should change the branding to like Mississippi IPA. <laughs> Iowa, Kansas, I don't know. <laughs> Nebraska. Uh, but yeah, no, Nathan, we really appreciate you sending this beer our way. This is a classic, like you said, Joel, a classic IPA, really enjoyable. Uh, we appreciate you sharing this one with us. And if you're ever in Athens, we would recommend not only that you look up Creature Comforts, that amazing brewery, but check out Academia as well. But that's going to be it for this episode. We'll make sure to link to any of the resources we mentioned during this episode up on our show notes on our website at howtomoney.com. That's right. And if you have a money question that is plaguing you, no matter how big or how small, please drop us a line, shoot us a voice memo to howtomoneypod at gmail.com. We would love to take it on an upcoming episode. Totally. But speaking of upcoming episodes, Wednesdays is about inflation and is it making us crazy? We're going to tackle that one then and looking forward to it. But uh, Matt, until next time. Best friends out. Best friends out. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. 
Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. When it comes to your finances, go for the credit card that's always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We're talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.